It is the year 2023, Anno Domini. And this is Pastor Jeffrey Rickman welcoming you to this fantastic podcast of Nowata, Oklahoma. This is the Methodist Church broadcasting on the internet, message of good news, specifically that of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. We are in the season of the Christian Passover, otherwise known as Easter. And, uh, of course, the resurrection is true every day, but in particular, um, during Easter, we're talking about resurrection a good deal more. I was told that um, I was a little bit more um, fiery on Sunday than usual. Um, one, one lady came into the church and said, you just had plenty of pepper with your eggs that morning, didn't you? Um, I, I don't know. I wasn't going for being any more um, out there than usual, but uh, I did. Hey, you know, something interesting happened. Somebody went through my sermons on YouTube and flagged one on December 19th of last year and said that I was guilty of saying misinformation about the 2020 election. <laughs> so they took our video down. Um, so that was weird, but I contested it and it's back up because I don't preach about politics like that. Um, so anyway, if you are our admirer, my admirer, then thank you for your attention. I hope you pay attention to this one. You're not going to find anything political in it, but it just might save your soul. <laughs> I actually don't believe that people's souls are saved from sermons, um, but I love preaching anyway. And so I, I pray that you are edified by this message. I would just ask you to pray for this church. We are appearing in a special called annual conference this Saturday to see if they're going to let us disaffiliate from uh, the conference or not. It has a lot of implications uh, we're hopeful that it's just a peaceable time where everybody's gracious and loving together. Uh, so let's pray for that. I hope you enjoy this podcast. God bless you. The Holy Spirit work within you. Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. Today's first reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 14 through 36, which can be found on page 1529 of your Pew Bible. Let's listen to the Word of God. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
and I will see wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass, that whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourself also know. Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to them, or to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is on the day of Pentecost, and Peter is speaking to the people, saying that this is a fulfillment of prophecy from the prophet Joel. And David did a good job pronouncing that in the Hebrew pronunciation. It's not Joel, it's Joel. Joel said that there would be a day in the future, he said it happened on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. Now the Holy Spirit, as Christians now understand it, is God. God the Father is God, God the Son is God, God the Holy Spirit is God. All three together are God, it's called the Trinity. And they are not three separate gods, they're the same in substance, equal in power and glory. The, the, the uh, theological term in Greek is homoousius, they're made of the same stuff, the same holy stuff. That's essentially what it means. They're not three gods, it's one God and three persons. It's a holy mystery, it's hard to understand, but anyone who departs from this, anyone who looks at the, you know, like the Mormons, they see the Holy Spirit as like a pet, or like a lot of Christians, people who think they're Christians today look at the Holy Spirit as like the force, if you've ever seen Star Wars, the Holy Spirit's not the force, it's not some dispassionate form of energy, the Holy Spirit is a person, he is the comforter, he is the one who makes the church possible. He is the one who makes our salvation possible. Without the Holy Spirit, you would not repent. You would still be dead in your sins. 
The preventing grace of God is what animates the Holy Spirit to enter into each of us and bring about a spirit of repentance, to hate our sins, and to desire to return God's love. The Holy Spirit is the one who applies the atoning blood of Christ Jesus to each of our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit who then sanctifies us, who enters into us and overwhelms our sin with God's love. It is the Holy Spirit that lives in and animates the church today. Is the Holy Spirit important? I would say he is so important that without a knowledge of and love of the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. It's something that a lot of Methodist churches in particular, we started off talking about the Holy Spirit all the time. We were revival people. People used to speak in tongues in Methodist churches or they would bark. Seriously. Sometimes they'd roll around on the ground. I'm not, trying, I'm not saying we should be doing this stuff here. Although, you know, speaking in tongues, that is scripturally attested. If somebody here wants to speak in tongues, I've told you before, you can, but only if there's an interpreter. That's the scriptural standard. So there would be some people going, oh, we don't do that here. Are we a biblical church? Yes. So then we should do biblical things, speaking in tongues. If the Lord ever puts a message on your heart in tongues, you make sure there's an interpreter present, and then you share with us because, well, God help you, if he puts a message on your heart. What's it called when you're speaking in the language of the people around uh, a message from God? Anybody know what that's called? It's called prophecy. Yeah. If God... Uh, is there anything in the Bible that says I'm the only one should be talking in here? No. It talks about pastors like twice, all right? And I have an important role, but you are all members of the priesthood of all believers. And what happens is when the Holy Spirit is in you, he will sometimes give you a message that you need to share with everybody else because we need to hear it. And that's what this prophecy was about. In those days, my Holy Spirit will fall upon all flesh, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will prophesy. Both your young men and women, slaves even, will prophesy. It's not that God is going to show favoritism towards some. He is going to pour out his Holy Spirit on everybody. And that's what we've seen from the day of Pentecost onwards. But do you think it's possible to quench the Spirit? Do you think it's possible for someone to have the Spirit and the Spirit to lead somebody and them to say, no, Holy Spirit, I'd really rather not? Happens every day. It's happened in me. I've said no to the Holy Spirit. Has anyone else said no to the Holy Spirit? Shame on you. Shame on me. Does God, does God want bad things for you? He's not going to lead you to bad places. Now, does that mean nothing bad is going to happen to you? Does that mean you're never going to experience pain? No. If you follow him, you are going to lose friends. You are going to experience pain. You're going to have times where people hate you. Did people hate Jesus? Why would it be any different for us? He was so much better than we'll ever be. They hated him. They're going to hate us too. On this day of Pentecost, Peter laid the death of Jesus at their feet. He says, Jesus being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands you crucified him. He just called your hands wicked. They listened to him, and some of them hated. Some of them said, how dare you? We did that with good intentions. Do good intentions matter? Y'all heard that saying about good intentions? What does it pave? What do they pave? The road to hell. There isn't anybody who doesn't have good intentions. Oh, man, if the challenge of life is to have good intentions, oh, we're all going to heaven, guys. We don't even need Jesus. 
Oh, I mean well. Don't you all mean well? We all mean, who, who here doesn't mean well? We have this notion of evil like it's, oh, I mean bad things. I'm going to do bad things. That's not how evil acts. Evil comes to you and says, I'm going to make you feel good. You know, there's this whole part of you Jesus doesn't like. I like it. I can love you a way Jesus can't love you. And this whole thing that he tells you is bad, it can be good. And you can do it right. I know it's tearing other people apart, but you can do it right. And I'm going to show you the way because I love you. That's the voice of Satan. And so many people don't have that discernment. They go, oh, yeah, you know, life is about love and this feels good. Evil feels good. Why else would people do it? They don't have that discernment to tell what is that bitter poison pill that's going to kill you and what is that, that good thing that's actually going to give you life. You want to know what true life looks like? It looks like that. And to the world, that's an instrument of suffering, death, and humiliation. And that's where Jesus got to save us. And that's where he leads us. He said, if you want to follow me, then you're going to have to daily deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And evil comes along and says, that sounds terrible. Why would you do that? That's where the Holy Spirit leads, though, by the way, because that's where true life is. Did anybody read my, my Friday mailing? I send out a Friday mailing every week. It's telling you about a friend of mine whose spouse does not understand self-denial. She tells her husband, uh, you know, walk in the Christian walk, and their husband just says, I don't understand why you or anybody would do that. That makes no sense to me. And my article says, everybody knows self-denial. Everyone practices self-denial. There is not a single person who goes through life just does whatever they feel, okay? That's a quick way to get killed or put in prison, okay? Everybody learns to shut up when they have something bad they want to say. Everybody learns not to look at certain things when they're... Everybody learns self-control. The thing is, and we're going to talk about this with Doubting Thomas, at the last scripture reading, there are a lot of people who say, you know, the Christian faith just doesn't make sense to me. I just, I, I just don't agree. Uh, I just don't see the purpose. And the thing is, everybody understands. Everybody understands. They're lying. The problem is not that they don't understand the power and, and threat of sin. The problem is they hate Christ. They don't like him. They don't want to walk with him. They don't want you to walk with him. They're not going to say that. They're just going to say, oh, I just don't understand. I just don't get it. Everybody practices self-denial. Everybody knows about sin. Everybody knows there's consequences to life. They just don't want to hear about it. And they want you to feel like the crazy one because you believe in it rather than you call them out for being children of the evil one. Jesus called them out for being children of the evil one. They said, we're children of Abraham. He said, no, you're not. <laughs> you're children of Satan. He said it flat out. And should we as his followers be any different? Pastor's telling me to be mean. I am telling you to be mean. If it potentially saves somebody's life, pretend you're seeing somebody swimming out you're at the beach and you see somebody swimming out far to sea and you know they're not going to be able to swim back in and they're going to drown. Is it a loving thing to go, oh, they know what they're doing? It's a loving thing to get on that bullhorn and say, get back in here. You are going to die. And we have that in us whenever we have a friend who's a smoker with COPD and they keep smoking cigarettes. How many of you are just going to say, oh, yeah, keep smoking your cigarettes? Pretty much every single one of us would be like, dude, you really need to stop smoking, right? Who here would not warn your smoking friend if they keep smoking? Raise your hand, and I'm just going to call you the worst friend on earth. 
You warn people you love, don't you? And that's what happened here on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell upon all flesh, and the very first thing out of Peter's mouth was, this is the fulfillment of prophecy. You guys are going to hell if you don't repent. How tacky. We refined people of the 21st century. We know better than that. We don't need to threaten with hellfire and brimstone. God's love is enough to motivate people. Are you guys watching the news? I've told you not to watch the news. Don't watch the news. But have you seen what's going on in this world? Is God's love enough to move everybody towards Jesus? That's a lie from the pit of hell. I'll give the rest of that part of the sermon later. I'll sing it once alone and then y'all join me, okay? We're doing response one. Preserve me, oh God, for in you I take refuge. Sing that with me. Preserve me, oh God, for in you I take refuge. my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a glorious heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. The Lord is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Preserve me, O God, for Therefore my heart is glad, and my soul rejoices. My body also dwells secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol, or let your godly ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Preserve me, O God, for in you So this was that section that Peter quoted near the end of that section we just read in Acts of the Apostles. He says, David, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied that the Lord would see fit to save him from corruption. And that didn't mean that David didn't die. He said his sepulcher is with us today. He says one of the line of David would not die. Death could not hold him. And that's what that last reading was about. He says death could not hold him. It couldn't hold him down. Jesus did, was killed on the the cross, and then a spirit descended to the dead, but the dead was not as powerful as him. Remember, Jesus is the author and pioneer of our salvation. Everything in the universe was made in, through, by, and for him. He is the center of everything. Death could not hold its prey. You know, we, you remember the, death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave he rose. That's what we sung last week. That's what Easter's all about. And David saw it. A thousand years before it happened. He knew that God would faithfully fulfill this covenant God made with him. And he did that through Christ Jesus. And the reason we celebrate that is because Jesus didn't just tear the bars away for him. He tore the bars of hell away for you and me. We're the ones whose names were mud. And he saved us before we could even ever ask for it. That's how good he is. So in this psalm, Psalm 16 David is talking about how God would not abandon him to corruption. He wouldn't leave him in Sheol, that God would resurrect him. 
That's, this, is, this is one of the things that Jews in Jesus' day were looking at and going, we're pretty sure there's a resurrection. And then Jesus proved that there was. And then here we are 2,000 years later, hopefully still believing in the bodily resurrection. And we're going to hear about what that's like um, in our final reading today in the Gospel of John. Because Jesus, was he a resurrected spirit or a resurrected body as well? Body. He's going he's gonna to say, hey, touch my wounds. Can you touch the wounds of a spirit? No. You can just, anybody ever seen Ghost Dad? I grew up on that one. Y'all don't know what that one is? That was, uh, no, we all hate him now, but we loved him back then. What was his name? Cosby, there it is. Yeah, Cosby, Ghost Dad. He died, he's a spirit, they can't, you can't. You can't touch ghosts. So the thing is, you could touch Jesus when he was resurrected. We get a body like his. We will see him. We'll be, uh, whatever. Let's go on. Um, third reading from 1 Peter. We preached through 1 Peter like three months ago. Uh, really good time together. Go ahead and look back on that. Um, we're not going to do the play-by-play like we did last time. We're just going to tie the themes together. So let's welcome that reader forward. Today's third reading comes from the first letter of Peter. The first chapter, verses 3 through 12, which can be found on page 1708 of your Pew Bible. Listen again to the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, need be, ye are in heaviness, though manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen him, ye love, in whom, though now ye, not, ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, seeing what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. This is the word of the Lord. If you're not comfortable with King James English, I'm going to repeat that last phrase and see if you think it's a big deal. It says, um, these things that we're talking about in church, they were reported to us by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things that angels desire to look into. Angels desire to have the treasures that have been entrusted unto us. Does that sound like a big deal? If you haven't read the Bible, you think that the angels get the good deal in the cosmic story. They get to be in the presence of God and his heavenly temple. But what the Bible routinely reinforces is that God has shown preference for us over angels. In 1 Corinthians, we're told that on the day of judgment, we will be judging angels. Can you imagine such a thing? 
It's better to be a human than to be an angel. There are a lot of people who believe when you die, you get on angel's wings, you get to be an angel. No, that is a demotion. We get to stay human. We get to have resurrected bodies. We get to be in the presence of God and his holy angels at his throne in the new kingdom. We have a better deal than angels. This message we've been given is something that was not given to angels, and they really don't understand. We understand it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here the other thing, you know, it talks about the Holy Spirit. It also talks about um, verse 8. Even though we haven't seen Jesus, we love him. We do not see him, yet believing we rejoice with unspeakable joy, full of glory. That's what it means to be a believer. It's even though we haven't seen Jesus in the flesh, we, can't, we don't have a time machine yet. We can't go back in time, see Jesus. We still believe in him. We believe that those who saw him in life, who saw him die, who saw him raised from the dead, who saw him ascend, we don't believe they were liars. And in fact, nobody really believes they were liars. Why? Because they died for this lie. All of them. None of them recanted. None of them repented. All of them lived lives of suffering, being hated, chased from place to place, eventually martyred. One of them was skinned alive. Can you imagine being skinned alive for a lie? That doesn't make any sense. These guys saw it, and they didn't even fear suffering and death because of it. And that's the heritage you and I follow in. Anyone who thinks seriously about these things does not think that the Christian faith is a lie. There are people who say that out loud, and they are lying. Nobody really thinks that this thing is a lie. We live in an age where people want us to participate in their denial and lying. And this age says to Christians, you know, if I could just have proof, then I would believe. And we say, God, show them proof, as if God has not already shown them everything they need to see. God has done everything needed. God is not lacking. The reason people don't choose God is not because he hasn't shown them. Heck, even the worst outlaws have seen who God is. I, I got a lot of good things going next door to the jail. I've sat down with a lot of guys who I say, you know it's for real, right? And they say, I can't deny it. When you're dancing with the devil, you see some stuff. And pretty much anyone you sit down, whether they're an outlaw or not, has had times where they've seen some stuff. They've felt something. They knew it was true. God has shown himself to, to, to everybody. It's not a question of if it, the question is, am I going to respond to God in earnest or not? Even in James, it says, even the demons believe. They believe in God. They know that he's real. They just tremble because they're on the wrong side of God. And the thing about today is not that people don't know about God or faith or sin or damnation. The thing about today is we just avoid it. We go, la, 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 la. It doesn't apply if I don't think about it. If I just pretend I don't know, surely, I, you know. Well, let, let's talk about American law for a moment. If you are unaware of a law, does that mean it doesn't apply to you? Oh, I didn't realize I can't just go into the bank and hold a gun up to somebody's head and take their money. I had no idea that law was on the books. Surely, judge, you can't condemn me for that, can you? How's that going to work out for me if I come before your bench and say, I didn't know? You're going to say, you're an idiot. And you're going to jail. And there are going to be all kinds of people who come up to God and they're going to say, I didn't know. I just, I really, I just, I just thought about other things in life. I just had no idea. 
I thought they were just a bunch of hateful bigots, and I just wasn't going to listen to what they had to say. And Jesus is going to say, get away from me, you evildoer. Go to the darkness that's been prepared for you. People know. They know what's real. They just don't want to think about it. And they want us to participate in that illusion with them. We live in a, 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 an era of great darkness where people have all kinds of illusions and lies that they want us to participate in. I'm arguing with David. I don't know if David likes it anymore. But the one illusion is that communism works. You know, we're going to have a sense of humor about this. You know, I'm, I'm kind of joking. But uh, I, I th- anytime we try and create the kingdom of God without God in the middle of it, it, it goes badly. Well, let's try it again in Venezuela. How's it going in Venezuela? Oh, they're not doing real communism. So, so you, can fight, you can get up and say, this man is a liar. <laughs> we can have the communist. This is a metaphor, okay? The, the, the other thing, and I know that this is a, a big touchstone for our society right now, but there are a lot of people who say, I, I'm, I might have male DNA, I might have ma- male anatomy, but I, I'm a female, and I'm going to need you to agree that I'm a female. And you're going to use feminine pronouns when you talk to me. And if you don't, you're a hateful bigot, and I'm going to turn the world against you. That's the, that's the realm. That's the time we're living in right now. And I want to be kind towards people with mental illness. I don't want to shame anybody who struggles with this. But when society shames people who refuse to participate in other people's lives, we are done, folks. There is truth and there is lies. Which one are we with? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> We're with the truth. We don't live by lies. And other people can lie to themselves, but the moment that the pressure then get put on me to participate in their lie, no. No. And if somebody wants to come to me and says, if God would just show himself a little bit to me, then I will believe. No. God has already shown you everything you need to see. He is not lacking in one point. If you don't believe that's a choice you're making and there will be consequences. That doesn't make me happy to threaten people. But there's a lot of people who are asleep and they want me to let them stay asleep. And I'm sorry, that is not my, my job is to wake people up. And guess what? Your job is too. We were just talking about that with the metaphor of people wading out into deep waters. If you do not warn them. And I know this is going to make some of you angry. I've said it before. If you do not warn people, you do not love them. Jesus calls us to love, right? So we warn. I got my bullhorn. I'm going to be driving through Delaware warning people. You guys are going to hear about that crazy Bible-thumping preacher in Delaware. Aren't you so glad we don't have one like that here in Nowata? Before, before, yeah, just put me in the parade. I'll ruin that parade. <laughs> Failed to acknowledge some people that were with us online. Um, Cassie is with us with her family. Hope you're feeling better, Cassie. Also, Roberta's with us. Y'all probably would have assumed that, but she says, so happy to be with all of you. We love you all. Oh, and Cassie did give a report. She said from Chris, uh, praise report is that his dad made it home safely from Mexico. Janice Drake is with us, and she wanted to pray for me and Sarah Beth and Vicki and Gwen. All of us are going to annual conference on Saturday, so your prayers are very welcome uh, with us. All right, let's have our final reading. It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. You can find it on page 1524 of your pew Bibles. 
Listen again to the word of God. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut. Hey, I, I should tell you all when this is. This is after Jesus died and they buried him. Okay. The doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he shewed, them, he shewed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath seen me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. That is a weird verse. I'm not going to preach on that today. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, that means twin, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Did anybody see the picture on the bulletins today? That was Thomas putting his fingers in the side of Jesus. Isn't that a great picture? I wonder how they got that photograph. I'm glad y'all laughed at that. <laughs> you know I'm stupid. I'm not that stupid. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut. He said this twice. The doors were shut and all of a sudden Jesus is there. And said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Man, can you imagine? <laughs> And be not faithless, but believing. And Jesus answered, and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Is that supposed to be about me and you? And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. This is the word of the Lord. I've already done the bulk of the preaching needed up till now. There is, you know, we've been talking a lot today about ecclesiology. Ecclesia, ecclesia means church. What is the theological nature of the church? We've talked a lot about pneumatology. That comes from Greek pneuma, which means spirit, breath, wind. That's a Holy Spirit. So the theology around the Holy Spirit is called pneumatology. Theology around the church is ecclesiology. I went to seminary so I could talk to you guys about this stuff. You really don't need to, though. You just need to read your Bible and have some common sense. Anyway, um, the ecclesiological pit here, the, the part about the church is whoever sins you remit are remitted. Whoever's sins you retain are retained. This is a weird, this is, this is what, like, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, when, they, when they practice confession and forgiveness of sins, what they understand themselves to be doing is practicing this verse right here, where if they forgive people's sins, the church forgives people's sins, then God also does. And if they don't forgive, then God holds their sins against them. And I know I'm a Protestant, but that seems to be the clear meaning here. 
I know I'm supposed to preach against everything the Roman Catholics. I can't. I think that I, I'm not saying that we need to have a box over here where you come and you confess your sins to me as your priest. I'm not saying that, but I am saying whether or not we forgive people matters. Part of our job as the church is to forgive people. And then sometimes also not to forgive people. That, that's, that's the other, there's a two-sided thing. I think that we need a whole sermon, we need a whole series on this one concept. We don't have time for it today. But if you heard me just talking against the Roman Catholic Church, I wasn't. I was actually saying they're focusing on one thing here that Protestants don't talk about, but it's in God's holy word. It's worth thinking about. The larger thing here, the thing I want us thinking about is I think there are a lot of people in pews on Sunday mornings that part of their brain knows that this thing is real, but it hasn't been made real to their heart. And they're going, if God would just show me, if he would just make it clear to me, if he would give me some experience with the Holy Spirit, uh, if, if he would just, you know, just talk to me, then I will believe, then I will follow. And half of what I have to say to you is, God has already done everything for you that he needs to do. And if you don't want to do your part, it's not because he hasn't done for you. It's because you don't want to do your part, and you need to own that, and you need to get past that. The other thing I have to say to you is even meaner. Even if he gave it to you, odds are you still wouldn't change. Because that's, that's not how this works. You know, some people came to Jesus because of the miracles. They didn't stay because of the miracles. They stayed and followed because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what motivates us today. It's not that Jesus did a miracle for me, and so now I'm just paying him back. He already did the miracle on that cross. You either believe that he did that or, or well, everybody believes he did that. You just deny it, you know. So if he's done everything necessary already, there's nothing more he can do for you to get, oh, oh, I'll finally do it now. Now I really finally believe no, you just need to believe now because you don't know how much time you have. This is not an issue of if God has done enough. It's a question of are you faithful? And that's, I, I know I sound like a broken record. That's intentional. I'm intentionally trying to put it back. When you come in here, we encourage one another. We love one another. But while we're here, I'm going to put it on you. Are you being faithful? We've talked about who God is. Is God faithful? Absolutely. Beyond question. He is the perfect spouse. He's the perfect God. The question is not, is he faithful? The question is, are you faithful? And once we have a sober answer to that, then we can turn and walk rightly with God. And what's the word for that? Repent. For the time has come near, and the kingdom is at hand.